grab my my pen and paper because we're old school here, killing trees. Love it. And you just said you love killing trees. Okay, I'm an environmentalist, and I shouldn't have said it, and I take it. <laughs> Headline: Comedian Ali Pierce hates trees. It's the planet. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, I'm Cole Sauer, and welcome to Let's Be Best Friends, a podcast where I talk to people that I barely know and try and convince them to be my new best friends, because in times like these, who needs enemies? My guest today is Toronto comedian and someone always trying to spotlight women in comedy in Toronto, Allie Pierce. Hello! Hello, how are you? I'm great, how are you doing? I am exhausted, but in a great way. Tell me more. It's Friday, I've spent all week staying up till like... Five or six in the morning, like a good, responsible adult. So, <laughs> killing it. Killing it. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. I'm living my best life. I have the opposite problem. I can't stay up past 10 lately. Like you're just done at 10 o'clock? Yeah, I don't know. And even that is, like, wild. Because I'm not, it's not like I'm then waking up at 6. I'm still waking up at 8 or 9. Yeah. But I'm tired for no reason. <laughs> you're just in full sleep mode. You're getting ready for hibernation. That's what I keep saying. Yeah, you're totally right. I'm doing nothing but eating carbs and, and, and sleeping. That's all I do now. It's great. I know, I know, I know. And I just moved. So I'm like really digging the new space and mm. it's like a whole other sleep experience. That's for sure. It's weird because COVID is like, COVID's like both the worst time to move and the best time to move because it's like nice to get that change of scenery and to like shake things up a little bit, but also no one's here to help you move. That is so true. I did hire movers. Oh, wow. Comedians. Yes, yes. Um, there's a comedian who you probably know, Andrew Barr, mm -hmm. who also on the side runs a, a moving business. <laughs> and um, although I, I should be also promoting the fact that he has an amazing album and that's what you're interested in and not the fact that he can move your furniture. Why not both? Play the album while he moves your furniture. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Have that on the background. Um, yeah, because my, you know what, my boyfriend and I moved in together and I, I think we moved like a chair and a month before we were supposed to move, we had to like move a chair from room to room and we both looked at each other and we're like, we can't do yeah, this. This isn't going to work. <laughs> we, can't, we can't do this ourselves. We're little babies. Forget it. So they are. I feel bad because like, like at the beginning of COVID, I had a friend moving into like his first house with his wife and they were like having a kid and they were like, like they had all this planned out and then COVID happened and then they were like, hey, um, because like I'm, I'm like a pretty big guy. So people are like, I'm like the moving friend. Yeah. So they were like, hey, Cole, you're a. Uh, you're like still down to help, right? And I was like, Ooh. Yeah. And at the beginning of COVID, you were like, maybe because we didn't know how yeah. bad we're gonna get. It was like April or May, so I was like, ah, I guess I'll Actually, come. No, that's did you do it? Yeah. No, April or May was like the thick of it. Yeah, but I was still I was still working at that time, so I was like, if I'm good enough to. You know, if I'm good enough for capitalism, I'm good enough to help my homie, you yeah, know? He owes you. He owes you big. He owes me so big. It's crazy okay. how big he owes me. You, you risked your life. I did. People don't think about it. People don't think about the struggles that I go through for these people. No, no. no. We're going to let them know. <laughs> they better listen to the podcast. I'm going to guilt the shit out of them. 
Uh, so to start the interview, uh, Larry King used to always say there's five questions to answer in every single interview. And because I'm a lazy interviewer, I like getting them out of the way right at the beginning. They are who, what, where, when, and why. I don't know why I counted like that. Uh, so we'll start with the who, Allie, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Uh, I am a Toronto based stand-up comedian. Um, and I have been doing stand-up for about three years. I love it. And it is <laughs> a huge part of my uh, life. However, obviously with COVID, we're sort of on pause. Mm -hmm. I'm also the creator of Slut Parade, which is a sex positive comedy show, which you know, because you did record it for us, which was amazing. And um, yeah, I, I also... Uh, I mean, I, I shouldn't be listing my resume at you as if you're like a job interviewer, but uh, outside of stand-up, I also write for a show called Letterkenny. And oh, wait, really? Yeah. Oh, shit, yeah. I didn't know that. No, cool. Well, I do that, but I um, that is also not happening right now because right. of COVID. So it's sort of um, the before times. I, I give my before times uh, <laughs> resume. <laughs> and, I, and I'd really like this job. I feel like I'm going to work really hard at it. I'm going to show you what I can do. I had a job interview yesterday, so you're kind of like I'm getting those vibes right now. It's oh. not your fault, but maybe that's why I'm like rattling off. <laughs> <laughs> you're ready to go. My accomplishments at you, yeah. <laughs> Have you done any of the job? I've been applying to a bunch of jobs on uh, on like Indeed and LinkedIn. Yeah. And have you done the automated phone interview yet? No. What is that? So Indeed has this thing. They have like the skill tests, right? But some jobs yeah. have um, these automated phone interviews where I guess they like. They, they somehow set up a system to where your computer, like, asks you a question. And okay. then it's like, respond after the beep. Bing. And then you do your thing. And then you, I think, I don't remember what you have to, you have to say, like, end or you have to, like, hit a button or something. And then it goes to the next question. That's and it's brutal. awful. Worst thing ever. It's so, eh, it's so, like, like dystopian sci-fi. Like, I'm applying yeah. to yeah. work as, like, a cleaner. I, it's so funny. Like, I can't tell if this is a good time or a bad time to look for a job. Like, I have friends who are really, really struggling to find, I mean, I'm struggling to find work. But yeah. also just, like, but I also think a lot of people aren't going back to their job because, they're realizing like, oh, I'm making the same amount of money as if I don't work. Yeah. Like government will pay me to not do my job. So, yeah. I mean, there's a lot about society and our government, but. It's crazy the amount of people who, who like, who looked at it and they were like, they were like, well, why would people ever return to work if they're going to get yeah. paid to stay at home? And I was like, yeah. It's true. Well, crazy that's how that works. Like, <laughs> I mean, I was working like pre COVID, I was working at a coffee shop mm -hmm. and and, and to be fair, like a great place to work. Like mm -hmm. the place I worked for, the the owners are like incredible people and mm -hmm. they're so sweet and, and like absurdly accommodating and really supportive of my career outside of, of working for them. But at the same time, it's like at the, at the end of the day, like you're making $14 an hour. Yeah. Pretty hard to be like, oh yeah, I want to go work with the public yeah. and be dealing with people's hands and money. I want you know. people to yell at me for their pumpkin spice latte to earn my money. Yes. Please and thank you. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I totally understand this sort of like a bit of rebellion, you know, that people are just like, I don't want, I don't want to work. And you know what else? I really feel like this has given people a chance to pause and be like, what do I want to do with my time? Yeah, I think that's the really interesting part is that a lot of people are getting more into their, their, their side things, their hustles, right? Because they've had all this time. And like, 
they're realizing like, hey, you know what? Like, now's the time. If I want to be a baker or a butcher or a candlestick maker, like now's the time. I don't have to go to Starbucks. Yeah, because you really don't have, I mean, for, I mean, obviously this isn't true for everyone. I have tons of friends who never stopped working, but it's like for somebody who is being forced to stop their job, it's kind of like, that moment of rest, mm -hmm. you don't get very often. Mm -hmm. So it's just like, what does my life look like and what do I want it to look like? Yeah. Those are very, very different things. Everyone got very introspective and very sad. I don't know if this was the same for you. My Twitter timeline was sad for oh God, the beginning of COVID. And I wasn't, I wasn't even really that sad. Yeah, I was I was living. I was like, hey guys, I started a podcast. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm doing great. Yeah. I know. Same. I had a friend call, call me and be like, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, why? They're like, cause online you look like you're on the edge. <laughs> <laughs> you look like you are, you need the hotline. You are <laughs> in a bad way. It was not good. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, we covered the what or the who. So for the what, uh, I'm so I'm interested in, in, so what got you, got you started? So you've only been doing comedy for, for about three years now, you said. Yeah. What got you? Uh, what got you started in doing that, and how did it translate into the writing and uh, things like that? Yeah, that's that's a good question. I, well, I think that I've always been sort of peripherally interested in comedy, um, and I was, you know, I, I don't know. I wouldn't say that I was like a diehard stand-up fan by any means. Like, mm -hmm. I definitely have watched the most amount of stand-up in my life in the last three years, mm -hmm. as opposed to like the occasional special before that. But I think like most people I sort of was oh I'm a bit of a class clown and I've sort I sort of have this reputation with my friends so you go like okay I have a bit of confidence in my sense of humor mm -hmm. like I do think that there's something there but you're not like oh I'm gonna go make a career out of it mm. and then I think what really kind of did it for me and this isn't really true for everybody but I took a class at Second City mm -hmm. and what like you definitely definitely don't need to do that like you like doing stand-up comedy you can just go and do it. Yeah. That's, you know, you can go to open mm -hmm. mics, you can write your own joke. But I think what it did for me is it forced me to actually commit to it. So instead of saying like, maybe I'll try this one day, I had to show up once a week and yeah. actually write. And then we had a uh, like a class show. And so just that experience, you kind of go like, okay, I've dipped my toes in. Mm -hmm. I have a general understanding. It's not a fair representation <clears throat> of what it's actually like to go do stand up because right. it's a very supportive audience. Um, and then, and then even after that, I took a break. I like never really explored that again. I was, you know, working a nine to five job and I was kind of settled down. And then I kept, it kind of was like nagging at me this thing. I was like, oh yeah, I really enjoyed that. And so I went through this, like, I don't know, quarter life crisis where I like got out of this really long relationship, you know, had to move out, was changing careers. I quit my job and I was like, what are the things that I want to do? And that was just something that was always there. Mm -hmm. And then that's when I first did like a real open mic. And then from there was, okay, I understand this a little bit. I can, you know, and then you get booked on shows and so on and so forth. So that's sort of like the origin story. <laughs> the superhero um, origin story. Yeah. <laughs> and I was really lucky because right out the gate, I had like three or four people that just were such incredible mentors to me. And for no reason, like just were sweet and kind and generous with their time and their advice. Mm -hmm. And I was, and also at that time, I had just applied for a job at Just for Laughs. So as a coordinator, like not at all in the creative world. Yeah. 
So I went, I'm originally from Montreal. So I went to Montreal for three months to do a contract with them. And once I was immersed in that world, I was like, oh, this is really cool. Like yeah. there's something here that I'm super interested in. And so that is, you know, sort of how it's, it's incremental. So you do a few open mics and maybe you get booked on a show and then it builds from there. Mm -hmm. And um, it was through stand up that I think somebody passed my name along along with another comedian, Olivia Stadler, who's a good pal of mine. And we were recommended to the creators of Letterkenny to do like basically a consultation on a, on a female centric episode. And that, okay. yeah. And then that kind of like evolved. So it was like, Hey, do you guys want to co-write this episode? And then we were contracted to punch up a few episodes and then that turned into like a 14 episode contract. So it's been obviously incredible. Like it's such a dream come true. And it's so yeah. fun working on that show. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm eager for them to continue so that I can work again. Because <laughs> <laughs> I do miss it. It's so much fun. So what, what would you say that you're missing more right now if you had to pick one between stand-up and, and the writing? Oh my God, that's a tough one. That's tough because I really, there's nothing that can, there's nothing that can beat the experience of live performance um when you do well <laughs> when you bomb that's like a whole other situation i mean nothing but, beats that either but it's the entire opposite end of the spectrum total other. so i it really is a 50 50 split because stand-up is um you work alone and mm. it's your craft and it's totally your responsibility what happens on stage whereas like obviously in the writer's room which it's not we don't really have a writer's room but it's way more collaborative. So mm -hmm. it's a very, very different experience because you're bouncing off of other people's energy. Mm -hmm. And also I had only been doing that since March, like March till July. Oh, okay. So, so it's like, you know, it was still fresh and new. It was like a new toy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, but I, I really miss performing. I really miss performing. Yeah. Even though I will say every time I'm about to go on stage, I'm like, why the fuck do I do this? It's such a nightmare. I can't believe I agreed to this every single time. And then I'm on stage, I'm like, oh yeah, this is fun. Yeah. So, so that's interesting to me that you like, so you've been doing it for three years and you still get that, that kind of butterfly feeling. Oh my God. I'm so nervous anytime I go on stage. Yeah. So how, how does that affect you when you do, because obviously when you do well, you come off and you're like, I'm, I'm top shit. Comedy is yeah. the best thing ever. But how does that affect you when you don't do well? It's bad. <laughs> it's bad. Well, I mean, I think also you get used to it. Like I used, there were days when I would like, you know, if you aren't are new, you're not performing that often. So mm -hmm. if you don't do well in a show, you're kind of like really sitting in it for a mm -hmm. while, as opposed to like when you're doing stand up more often, like there was off, like more often than not, I was doing more than one show a night. So right. even if you bombed, you would go to something else and kind of like cleanse your palate. Yeah. It doesn't, the thing is, is it's like, once you accept failure as a huge part of growth, it's really hard to get as disrupted by right. it. You know, like it, it's equally as important to fail as it is to do well. <laughs> Otherwise you just stay stagnant. Yeah. You don't progress. So mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, I think in the beginning it was really harsh, but even coming out of quarantine, we, we did some shows. I mean, everything's on on hold now mm -hmm. but <clears throat> there was like a month where we were doing shows again and i was like 50 50 either killing or bombing yeah not 
nowhere in the middle, <laughs> like quite chill. Um, and I think the bombs hurt a lot more then because there's so few shows at that time. Yeah, it was it was very much getting back into it. Yeah, exactly. It was funny because I, I remember I remember when the show started back up, and I remember I got booked on one, and I was like, I don't know any of my material anymore. Like I haven't even thought about comedy in like five months. I've been so like entrenched in everything else. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and then it got canceled. We're in second wave. Woo. So back to podcasting. The first, the first show, you know, what's lucky is actually right before, I think it was in February. So just like pre, you know, pre pandemic, Mm. I was at a show and actually it was really nice. I met this comic and he was headlining at absolute and he was like, Hey, do you want to come? And open for me, which was dope. And mm. then he was like, right before I went on stage, he's like, I'm recording this for an album. Do you want me to record your set? And I was like, nah, like, I don't need it. I'm probably not going to have a great set. Like, I was so not in the headspace for it. Yeah. He recorded it anyways and sent it to me. And thank God, because I did not remember a single joke when we got back on stage. <laughs> like, nothing. I yeah. couldn't remember anything. It's, it's like you totally get in these grooves where you're like building and building and building. And then yeah. when you don't do it, you don't exercise that muscle. It's gone. Yeah. I, I remember I was looking at my notes and I was like, I don't know what any of this shit means anymore. I fucking, oh, yeah. like, it's I was fun. like listening back to my old sets and I was like, none of these jokes are funny. Like, what am I, what am I doing here? <laughs> I know. I know. I know. It's brutal. <laughs> I'm just going to do nothing but, but COVID and quarantine jokes now. I'm just going to yeah. hack it up. Let's go. <laughs> uh <laughs> so uh for the where i'm interested so you said you you grew up in montreal you said yeah so how long were you there before you did you move to the city for like work or i moved here when i was 19 i think oh, okay. so i just like came sort of on a whim i i like i said i grew up in montreal my family's there my friends are there you know, I have, I have a few friends here, yeah. um, two, but it's, two, two. but I've been, yeah. <laughs> I've actually been here for this summer was, is my 11th year here. So oh, wow. it was, yeah. So I've been here for a long time and it, there wasn't a real reason. Like I studied theater in college. So I had a bit of an acting background and I was like, Oh yeah, if I want to take a stab at acting, I should be in Toronto. Mm-hmm. But even then it's like, I got here and I didn't really pursue it. So it, it wasn't like, it was kind of really just an excuse. Yeah. To, and, but I, and yes, and I've been here forever. So I don't really think of, I mean, Montreal is still home in that, like my roots are there. Obviously my family is there. My oldest friends are there, but I feel like Toronto is my home. Yeah. And so, so do you still have your French lockdown or has it gone in 11 years? Yeah. I mean, my family's Francophone. So luckily I don't have a choice. I have to speak French when okay. I go home. But like, I struggle. <laughs> As a person who's like fully bilingual, I really struggle with it because I still to this day, like, I, can't, I just don't express myself in the same way. Right. You know? Yeah. Well, it's, it's, like, it's like you're talking about with comedy, right? It's like a muscle that eventually kind of fades away if you don't do it every time, right? When I was there working at Just for Last for that summer, it was like immediate. It came back. Yeah. It fine, yeah. You know? But I definitely like, even I'll call my grandmother and we'll talk in French and I'm just like, do you even understand what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I don't know if this makes any sense. I don't know if the broken sentences I'm stringing together are making any yeah. sense. But exactly. if you throw it in Google Translate, you'll understand basically what I'm there saying. There will be something. Yeah. <laughs> the word bibliotech's been used. It's French. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> so, 
so for I guess for the when, I, I kind of want to know when when did stand up become kind of the main thing for you? Because you so you said you kind of you took the class almost on kind of a whim, and yeah. then you started back up again, right? When did it become okay? Like this is my this is the career now. Like I don't need the nine to five. I'm I'm a writer. I'm a comedian. I'm I'm killing it. It's still not. It's still not even close to being my bread and butter. Like I can't. You know, before COVID, I would say so. Like before COVID, I had three jobs basically. I had I worked at the cafe. I worked at a restaurant. Oh, hellish front restaurant that I could write a novel about nice and then I and then I did stand up mm-hmm. so it was like all and also like producing shows is its own beast which you know because you saw me like in a, a total tizzy getting yeah. my show um so so it's a combination of all those things that supported my stand-up but at three years in, it's like, obviously everybody has a different trajectory. Like mm-hmm. I know people who started at the same time as me who like are on Just For Last and who have done like incredible, incredible things with their career. Um, that's not where I'm at. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's it's just a slow process. And Letter Kenny happened for me during COVID. Mm-hmm. So that wasn't even, you know, that in itself, that's like a whole other thing on its own. Yeah. So now it's almost funny. It's like, now that I'm not working and not doing standup, I see myself more so as an artist than before because I'm actually spending time on my craft in a more um, focused way as opposed to like trying to survive. Yeah. Actually. Yeah. You don't have that same burden of like, well, I, like, you know, I got work first. I got to make sure I'm paying my bills and then I got to do the standup yeah. thing. Then I got to do the right. Now you're just be able to be like, yeah, I'm creative, brother. But there was never a time where I was only able to rely on stand-up. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just, you know, over time. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, like, only three years in, like, there's people who have been doing it for, you know, 10, 15 years who have only just started, you know, living off of comedy. Yeah. It's, it's it, you know, I think, I don't remember who said it, but someone was like, getting successful is like 10% talent and 90% luck or something yeah. like that. Or like 80% luck and 10% hard work or something like that. It's crazy. Yeah. Totally. You just got to bink like, you know, whoever is in the crowd and goes like, hey, you're you're pretty funny. Hey, come to L.A. Let's 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 work on now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, so for the why, for especially for comedians, I'm always really interested in, in what it is that kind of keeps you going, because like we know as much as 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 anyone that the bombs can be so brutal and can be so like soul wrenching because you're right when you say that comedy is such an independent art that it almost, I don't know if you'll agree with this, but it almost makes the the successes better and the failures worse because the successes are like, I wrote all these jokes, I practiced all these jokes, these are my jokes and they're funny, but the failures yeah. are like, I wrote all these jokes, I practiced all these jokes and they still suck. Like, oh my God, it's, yeah, it's, it's, definitely, it's definitely hard not to get precious about that stuff. Yeah, so so what keeps you going in, com- what, what is it about comedy and about writing that like makes you want to keep going, that makes you want to keep pushing forward? I think there's something about looking at the world through a lens and then encapsulating something really specific and then translating it to an audience that's like, I know exactly what you're talking about, Mm. you know, and it doesn't have to apply to everyone. I think, you know, like I obviously write in a very specific way. Mm. I write 
my, as much as I try, I've never written a clean joke. So it's like, I just accept that that's not going to work for everyone. And that's fine. Mm -hmm. That's not, the goal is not to please everybody. Mm -hmm. But I think what happens is when I write a joke that feels deeply feminist and it lands in a room that's very diverse in terms of like gender and culture. Yeah. Then I'm like, Oh fuck. Yeah. <laughs> it's Got like, you no, know, like even when I'm maybe poking fun at men a little bit or like talking about sexual experiences, I know that that's not, you know, not everyone's going to connect with it, but mm-hmm. is there something at its core that resonates with you? And if so, or you know someone, like that's what's fun is like right. when you kind of nail that specific thing. Mm-hmm. It's really special in my opinion. Yeah, so for you, it's it's really the, like just nailing kind of that human experience and being yeah. able to translate that. I mean, what is more amazing than when you're like, am I alone in thinking this? And then someone's on stage verbalizing that emotion. It's so, <laughs> It's like you all of a sudden, it's like this immediate sense of inclusivity. Yeah. You get that validation. Exactly. Love it. I love it. There's something really powerful about that. Yeah. There's like a, there's a connection. I feel like to stand up comedy that, that only, that only stand up has. It's the only kind of live performance where there really is just that one-to-one, like I do eat bananas weird. You're right. Yes, 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 yes. Or even like. And, and you know what it is too. Now that I'm now that we're talking about it, it's that vulnerability of somebody going on stage. Like even if you can't relate to what they're saying, mm-hmm. the vulnerability is enough that you can relate to it. And right. maybe that's really what it is. It's like like you saying I eat bananas weird. It's like maybe I don't eat bananas weird, but I do other shit really weird. Yeah. And so when I hear someone being vulnerable enough to say that out loud to a room full of people, it's like, there's so much respect and love. Mm-hmm. That relationship is so interesting. Yeah. Out of curiosity. So we've gone through our five questions. I just want to ask this really quickly. Yeah. Uh, do you have a, do you have a worst heckler story and how you dealt with it? I'm curious because you're talking about the connection. I think that very, I think that's very real and very powerful yeah. and very cool. But I also know that people in comedy shows can be absolute like drunken yeah. assholes. So, well, the thing I will say is I think there's been a lot of experiences and I think there's been times where I've dealt with it well and not dealt with it well, but there's one, there's one instance I remember that I didn't deal with it well mm-hmm. and it bummed me out because, so like, you know this, but I, people who are listening probably don't know this, but I, I do a lot of like dating and sex material mm-hmm. and it's a lot of stuff about like my personal experience but I think anyways whatever I and I have and I can't really remember exactly what happened but I was at a kind of a hell gig like it wasn't horrible horrible but it was just like you know the comedians are next to the door like the front yeah. entrance and like Coats so on. everyone's coming and going in front of you and like the servers have to walk by you mm. and I remember there was a guy who was sitting at the bar and he was drunk and he made two comments and I think one of them was I, I and I can't remember but it was instant like impl- like he interrupted my set yeah to call me a slut basically <laughs> and then dang I really remember what the other I wish I could remember what the other thing was but it was so pointed <laughs> and rude and fucked up and 
I just kind of like shut down. Yeah. Like I didn't. And this was like pretty early on when I started stand up. And I just, I didn't know what to do. Yeah. Like I wasn't equipped with the skill set, which is one thing. Yeah. But it was also just like, it, I was being attacked as a woman, which it's like, I didn't know which thing to, ide- to deal with first, like the heckler or the misogyny. Right. And it, and it was really like, it, and everyone's watching you waiting for you to respond. Yeah. And the thing is, is that like, even though people during this whole show weren't really, pay- this is what's kind of interesting is that they weren't really paying attention throughout the show because there yeah. was like a basketball game on and they were eating dinner. Like it was a bad situation. Yeah. But they all stopped and listened, obviously. And instead of, of like wanting me the, to fail, they actually didn't, I could tell that they didn't want me to fail, yeah. which I don't think usually is the situation. Yeah. I think in those situations when a heckler kind of like fucks up a comedian, everybody either wants the comedian to like really shut them down or they kind of like want to watch someone fall apart. Yeah. Yeah. It's very, like, it's, it's very reality TV almost. Right. Where it's yeah. like, they either want to see like a fight or they want to see someone sad. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. And I, and I remember being like, uh, like totally tongue tied and not responding to it well. Mm-hmm. And, and then I was like, okay, well, I think I'm done. Like, I didn't even know what to do. I was just like so rattled. Yeah. And someone in the audience who I know hadn't been paying attention was like, no, do one more joke. And like, they were really encouraging. Yeah. So I did one more joke. I was almost crying through it, but I Aww. did it. And then it's like, okay, well, at least I'm leaving on my terms. Yeah. But it did teach me that like, there's very little you can control when you're on stage, like there's just not a lot that you can do to control the environment. And it's a skill that you have to master. And what's so funny is after I got off stage, that guy came over and was like, Hey, I wasn't like trying to be rude or upset you. And I was like, I wanted to wring this guy's neck. I'm like, don't talk to me. Don't look at me. Don't breathe the same air as me. Bye. bye." (laughs) Fucking pissed off. Um, And whatever. And then you, and then that's it. And then who cares? Yeah. Like, And I know that I've been, it's not been so bad for me in terms of hecklers and it will one day I'll get it really bad. Like everyone there's, it's unavoidable. Yeah, for sure. You know, there's always, I think, I think what's worse than, well, not what's worse is like you get a lot of audience members that are like, Oh, this is a conversation. This thing that you're doing on stage. It is not. It's not. No, this is a TV show. You, you are watching. That's it. So that's really, that's really challenging. Like yeah. definitely had shows in the past, like, especially when you're hosting, mm. you to rein people in. Like, I know that happens a lot at, like, at Slut Parade. I want to make it feel like when we do it at, when we would do it at Comedy Bar, you want to make it feel really like, hey, we're all hanging out and this is fun. But that also gives people seemingly the license to start talking back. And yeah. it's like, I don't know. Like, yeah, we're not having that level of having fun. Yeah. This exactly. is still a comedy show. Yeah. I, I remember the first show of mine I ever brought my brother to. My brother's the nicest guy in the world. He's he's an absolute sweetheart and he would never like actively try and hurt anyone, but he's like a bit of an idiot sometimes. Yeah. And so we were it was my first it was I think my my second show ever. And I was like, I'm going to bring my, I'm going to bring my brother. He brought his partner with him and it was like, awesome. I'm putting you guys in the front fucking row because, uh, because I was like, well, because I I got into comedy kind of by osmosis because I hung out with so many comedians and I knew so many comedians that I was like, oh, right. I'll give it a shot. So I was like, I know that. And I like I knew the guy running the show. I was like, I know that he wants people in the front. You're right here, right in front. 
Right. So then when the host went up, my brother said, he, he like, he, the host said something and my brother responded and the host just kind of went like, yeah, man. Yeah. This is a conversation. Yeah, for sure. And I was like, oh, God damn it. Just, just stop no. talking. <laughs> Cause like, he didn't, <laughs> he didn't mean to interrupt anything. He just kind of like, like did it without yeah. thinking about yeah. it. Oh. I also think it's that people, like if you're good at what you do, generally people feel like they are watching your thoughts as they happen. They don't realize that it's executed material. Yeah. So it's that kind of thing where like, if somebody starts then like you have a pot, like it seems like you're just being casual, but actually in three, two, one, you're about to deliver a punchline. Mm -hmm. And so people, they sometimes they don't realize that there's a rhythm. Mm -hmm. And so they're like, oh, it's fine if I interrupt. It's like, no, now I have to, like, now the joke is gone. Like yeah. I can't do the punchline. Yeah. Because there's, you can't go back and start your setup again. That looks awful. Yeah. And it's something that you, you don't realize, honestly. And I, I specifically, I never realized until I was on stage doing it, that if that rhythm gets interrupted, you're like, oh, because like, I remember yeah. I would see comedians like freeze up after like their rhythm gets fucked up and I'd always be like, well, like you have your notes, like you've probably done these jokes yeah. before. Because a lot of comedians will rehearse things. Yeah. So you, and I think over time, like, and I still rehearse stuff, but I think over time you just like get more comfortable with an idea mm -hmm. and then you feel safe again. And that I think gets, that I think has a lot to do with getting comfortable with failure. Yeah. Because if you accept that it might not go exactly as planned, then who cares? Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean the bit is over. Yeah. You can just explore it another time. Yeah. So. Anyway. Well, damn. This is this is a, a fun. Was that show in Toronto? Oh yeah. Yeah yeah yeah. I've only I've only. It's funny. I started doing comedy and I did it for like maybe six months or something like yeah. that. Five six months and then COVID started. So I was like I was like just starting to kind of get to the point where I was getting like, like booked and people were coming to me and I didn't have to just message everyone on Facebook. Yeah yeah yeah. And then COVID started and I was like, well. I'm not doing Zoom shows. Yeah. Like that's not happening. <laughs> oh, no, it sucks. It really sucks. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna get set up here. I'm gonna have to uh, I'm gonna have to move some shit around. So luckily, with the power of editing, no one's gonna see this part. Yeah. Okay. So we're back. Uh, this camera doesn't show my face anymore, but that's okay. The podcast isn't about my face. It's about your face. Hey. Hey. <laughs> so we're doing yoga. So here on Let's Be Best Friends, this is your first episode watching. Uh, I always like to try and make the conversation as comfortable as possible. And I find the easiest way to do that is to just get the guest uh, in their comfort zone. And your comfort zone today was yoga. Namaste. Namaste. Tell me a little <laughs> bit. Of, tell me a little bit about, about yoga. What's, what's with the yoga thing? Here, let me pull this forward first. Cool. Well, I, I, um... I don't know how long I've been. The thing is, is I've, I've almost never practiced. Well, that's not true, actually. I've gone through stints of practicing in studios. Okay. With, um, teachers. And I love it. But I think that uh, more like the bulk of my yoga practicing has been at home just with videos on YouTube, specifically, mm -hmm. as I was just saying to you off camera, with yoga with Adrian. And the reason that I like yoga with Adrian so much because, well, first of all, it's a free channel, which is dope. Nice. And she puts out so much content. But what I like about her style is that it's going up to so many people. So she offers countless suggestions in terms of like adjusting for your specific body. If you're not necessarily like a yogi, you know? Yeah. 
you can drop into any class that she's that she has any video that she has and she'll teach you how to make adjustments to feel comfortable and that's That's awesome it's so awesome and you know i i have chronic pain in my low back and so i really struggle with certain things but i'm not afraid to do her stuff because i know she'll guide through things that like will make it more comfortable for me and you can be at really like any level and i just find that her videos are great so like right now my mom and i are from a distance doing a 30-day challenge together that oh, she cool did, so that's really fun um and yoga for me i think what i like about it is that it's it feels if you treat it that way equal parts meditation because you're so focused on your breath mm-hmm. and so breathing actually has been like a huge part of stand-up for me because mm-hmm. it's very very easy before you get on stage to start to panic and if you can look at that panic objectively and be like okay this is just my nervous system having a reaction to something that hasn't even happened yet yeah you can kind of like drop down into your breath and just like get a ton of oxygen to your brain and then you'll instantly better yeah well i it's funny too because i i i've uh i've i've i don't want to say like i've led sessions because it's more just like my friends want to try yoga and i know about yoga but i always start with like like the deep breathing is so important and like the meditative part of it like you don't have to believe in like auras and spirits and any of that bullshit Mm -hmm. like if you believe in it it's chill if you don't believe in it it's chill whatever but like the meditation part is like 90% of it. Like getting yourself in the in the zone of the deep breathing and the thoughtfulness and all that stuff. The stretching is like extra. Like yeah. that's there and that keeps your body in, in check, but you need to have that mentality to really get the full package. Yeah. And that's that's a really good point. Like I do think what happens is is like we start to panic. Like we're in a pose and we're like, okay, this is coming up and we start to panic. Yeah. And I like again specifically with yoga with Adrian, but also just in general, it's like, can you look at that moment more objectively and be like, okay, wait, it hasn't even happened yet. How do I know that I haven't built up enough strength? And also you can just adjust and not do that one specific thing. Yeah. You can just, the, you know, like, that's the other thing I like about it so much is that yoga is so free form and it's so like, you yeah. know, like I say, at the end of the day, it's just the stretching is just kind of there, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, and, uh, yeah. And, and, and it's just like, you don't have to have equipment, which is yeah. Dope. Like during COVID, it's like it was such a lifesaver for me. Yeah. Because it's just like you're home and you want to, you know, your body gets stagnant. There's mm. like stagnant energy that just like creeps up, and all of a sudden you're like, you've been at your computer and you're like a little witch. <laughs> yeah. Oh fuck! I gotta like unfurl my body. You know. I went on a. I <laughs> I started running at the beginning of COVID, and then I just stopped because I was like, this is hard. And then I yeah. remember like re- like a couple weeks ago or something like that. I went on a bike ride. And it was like a very short ride, but I got to where I was going and I was like, <laughs> I'm so out of shape. <laughs> it's true. It's true. I like, I definitely have just, I force myself to go on walks because mm-hmm. if not, it's so easy to stay home for three days and yeah. not do anything. Yeah. Yeah. Especially with the second wave coming, like it's gotten to a point where me and my roommates like only leave the house for like groceries and stuff and i'm like we need to we need if anything just like the vitamin d like yeah totally exactly so swami alley lead us lead us through our through our sesh oh my god me yeah let's well how do we how do we start um 
I've got maybe, my hot pink yoga mat. I'm ready to go. Maybe maybe we'll do like a, a little flow. What do you think about doing a little flow? I'm I'm I am your instrument. Well, you know what? Let's do some side body stretches Let's and get it. some thing going. So maybe we'll sit cross legged. Okay, done. Oh shit. Have our hands at our side. I like to put like my palms on the ground. Okay. And then I think it's just like reaching over and deep breathing. And then do we talk shit at the same time? Sure, man. This is, it's, I, I again, as I said off camera, I really didn't think this through. <laughs> so, so now, now we just talk about our least favorite comedians. <laughs> no, we love them all equally, remember? We love them all equally. There's no comedians. Every comedian is, a, is each other's best friend. Perfect angel. Yeah. Okay, let's do a little flow. Let's get on our feet. Okay. Let's Oh. Let me just adjust this. Oh. Whoever's this watching this one just gets to see my feet. It's fine. <laughs> I think this is the best way you wake up in the morning. So, I mean, you can't, like, <laughs> but if you start with your palms at your heart, mm -hmm. then I think, I mean, normally you would close your eyes, but now I'm going to be watching myself. So, a deep breath. Palms come up. And you just go straight. And this is a fun one. So the idea is to like come halfway up and keep your neck. Like the idea would be that you could put like a teacup on the back of your neck. Holy shit. That's. You want to have like a straight spine that juts out and just that kind of like, the idea I think is that you can create energy moving throughout the spine. And in these poses, they say you can put your palms on your shins, on your thighs, or even like airplane mode. <laughs> I am a bird. Yes, I am a bird. Oh God, I'm not this flexible. All right, there we go. It's good, it's good. And then we'll take a deep breath and we'll uh, come back up sort of with our arms out. And then palms back at the heart, baby. Oh. This is kind of where it all starts and ends, I think. Nice. Position. Um. Yeah, let's do like one flow where we, so we do, we come up. Okay. And we go down, palms on the ground, do a halfway here. And then when you come back down, put your palms in front of you. Okay. Right at a time, head into plank. Head into plank. Know. Okay, I can do that. Cross each other here. Kind of. Then you can kind of like, I like this position because you can kind of like rock back and forth on your toes and stretch your calves out. Yeah. And then, if you've got the upper body strength, which I barely do, you can go down to the ground. <laughs> and then we do a little cobra. And I'm oh, hell yeah. But I'm trying to show you my face. <laughs> hello, hello. And then back down. And then power up back to plank. And oh. dog, baby, get that stretch out. Okay. Here we are, and this is where we stay for the next 30 minutes. <laughs> now we just downward dog until we can't anymore. Now we just downward dog it. <laughs> oh. uh, this is like, I think that's like a, I don't know if it's a sun salutation or whatever, but that's like a good flow, I think, when you wake up, just to kind of like get the juices flowing. Yeah, for sure. I think yoga is so good in the morning, right? Because it, it really gets like all yeah. your all your energy going. Yeah. Now we can just do like floor poses so we don't have to be moving around. Like yeah, that. for sure. That works for me. What I love is um, 
and this isn't really like whatever, but I feel like we hold so much tension and stress in our hip. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like opening that up feels like I remember one time I was at, it was in a yoga class and we did like really, really deep hip stretches. And the, the teacher was like, yeah, you might feel like kind of emotional if you're holding a lot of tension there. And I was like, that's fucking dumb. And then walked out of the class and burst into tears. And I was like, oh, I get it. <laughs> kind of like, I just think sometimes we carry stress in our body in weird ways, you know, yeah. it manifests itself. That's why, like, I don't think people give enough credit to stress as, like, um, an illness-inducing thing. Yeah, for sure. You know, and it's kind of like when you recognize that your your body is, like, I don't know, recently I discovered naturopathy. I don't okay. Know if you've ever tried yeah. that. yeah. And that was like life-changing for me because I was having some medical issues and I was talking to my doctor about it and I like saw a specialist and all this other stuff. And I was like, you know, do I need to change my diet or do anything in that world? And she was like, no, no, like it's totally fine. And I just kept coming up against these issues over and over and over again. And then I called this naturopath and had one appointment with her and she was like, yeah, we need to do an overhaul of your diet. Like I don't eat unhealthy, but it's just like, taking care of your gut health, which is something I never really yeah. knew anything about. I don't know. Should we keep going? What do you think? I'm good to keep going. I, I, I'm i good to, what's, okay, let's try, let's try something stupid. What's like the hardest pose you know how to do? I think the one that's really hard is when you have to like balance, like I can't even really do it, but when you balance on your, um, like your knees are on your elbows. Knees on your elbows? So you're like, so you kind of start like Holy this. shit. And then you are, it's a balancing pose, but like, do you, like my toes are off the ground now. What the fuck? Okay. But there are people, there are people who do it and who are like, I don't know, they can do like all kinds of crazy shit. I'm like, I can barely get up here. Okay, wait, I can almost do it. Oh, nope. <laughs> It's tough. I got I got too much of a beer gut. I used to be able to do a handstand, and that was like the proudest I've ever been in my life. Forget it. I could never do that. It's it's so wild. When I was in like good shape, I used to be able to do it, and I am no longer in that kind of shape. I feel like there are what are other like fun pretzel poses? <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to think of some. <laughs> pretzel poses. Can you do like can you do the foot behind your head thing? No. No? Okay. Should we find out? <laughs> I think, okay. I, I used to be able to do it, certainly. Oh, kind of. But not, like, I couldn't leave it there. Oh, nope. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> no, oh. no one said I was graceful. <laughs> <laughs> hey, yoga isn't about graceful. It's about having a good time and... Fucking achieving inner peace, man. Oh. <laughs> well, we could do. Well, no, actually, I don't. I think it's bad for my back. You do a bridge. <laughs> a bridge? Yeah. What's the difference between a bridge and a plank? Plank is forward, bridge is the opposite. So, bridge. Oh, like like bending. Oh, I can do that. Yeah. Okay, I gotta take my headphones off, though, because they're gonna fall that off. That fine. At least I used to be able to. I believe in oh. you. There he is. Oh. 
Very good. Oh. Everyone's applauding you. Everyone was applauding you, but you couldn't hear it because you didn't have your headphones on. Oh, cool. I should have stretched first. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is it. Oh, this I haven't it. done that in so long. Okay. Let's pigeon it up. <sighs> okay. So you are like on all fours. Okay. And then bring one knee in. Oh, okay. I can do that. This one I actually find, with, well, another thing that I find really interesting about yoga is that my body is not equal. Okay. So there's things like on this side, I don't have pain really, but when I do this on the other side, I do have pain. Interesting. And I also have like one shoulder that's way more open than the other. And it just shows you how your habitual daily things affect the makeup of your body. Yeah, I feel like, I feel like yoga is really good at teaching you kind of the ins and outs of your body more than regular, like, traditional exercise. Because, like, traditional exercise, like, you know, you're working out one, maybe two parts of your body in a day. But mm -hmm. yoga really is, like, that whole, yeah. you know. So you learn those things. Like, you're like, oh, my right leg kind of hurts. And it's but true. my left leg is chill. And even just, like, yeah, I think what I learned about yoga is you use your breath to fuel the movement. <sighs> yeah. Well, the movement, so you kind of, like, you, if you stop breathing, it will stop you from moving. Whereas, like, I think when we, like, lift weights and do stuff like that, it's really easy to stop breathing because you're focusing on movement, so you're holding yeah. that energy in. Yeah. So that's, like, a whole other thing. Also, this one's fun. Oh. Get those hips open. Oh. I can definitely already feel my back, like aching a little bit. For yeah, that bridge was a bad idea. Glad I can still do it though. Feels good. That's a move. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I, that's how I'm going to improve. That's how I'm going to impress all the girls at the gym. I'll just go into a bridge. <laughs> oh god, my spine is <sighs> bad shape. My chiropractor would be so pissed at me if he watched yeah. that. <laughs> so are you still do you see a chiropractor often? No, it's I don't know if you know this about chiropractory, but it I think so a lot of people think chiropractic is bullshit. I actually, I would highly recommend to anyone who's ever had chronic I, back pain. I, I really liked it. But so fucking expensive and not covered by any medical insurance on God's green earth. It's really, really expensive. Yeah. I, I, I like it. I mean, I have nerve pain, so it's a little bit different. Like you can't really manipulate it. Yeah. Um, but chiropractic, yeah, it's definitely, it's, it has a ton of benefits. I've oh, yeah. In the past. Especially if you're like 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 nerve again, use nerve damage is a little is a little harder. But like like I just had apparently my spine was like twisted. Oh whoa! Because I play yeah like well like I was saying to you off camera I was when I was playing a lot of sports as a kid I was like really overweight, mm -hmm. but I was still like I was always putting like all of my energy into it. So like I was playing baseball and I was trying to Babe Ruth that shit, but like right. I was not like, in the physical condition to be really swinging for it that hard. So I was really, really screwing up my body. Right. But, the, I mean, chiropractic helped me. I'll say it till the day I die. I think chiropractic is hype. I think it's great. I think so, too. And I think, like, there's definitely something to be said about thinking outside the box when it comes to medicine taking care of your body. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, I the amount of times that I've hit a wall with my doctor and then I just, like, go to an, I go another route and all of a sudden there's a solution. It's like, okay, what's the fucking deal here? Yeah. I had a really bad shoulder injury that came out of nowhere. Like, I couldn't use my left arm for a while for, like, two weeks. It was so painful. Yeah. And I went to doctors. I went to three different doctors all over the place. 
like specialists, all this kind of stuff. And it wasn't, and it was for like a year. I was in so much pain. Yeah. And, uh, and it's one of the main reasons I'm out of shape is because I, I was going to the gym really like consistently. And then I couldn't cause I was so like fucked up. And, uh, I finally, I went to a physiotherapist and he gave me this, it's like the shittiest resistance band known to man. Like it's basically just a rubber band. Yeah. And he gave me like five stretches and he was like, do these every day. You'll be fine. And I just was, and I was like, do you know how mad I was? That I spent a year going to doctors and this guy was like, yeah, take this rubber band and just kind of go like this every once in a while. You'll be good. I know. Even my doctor, I have, like I said, I have nerve pain and I, and I struggle with like, you know, recurring back stuff. And her solution was just take an Advil every day. I was like, are you insane? Yeah. Right. That's like brutal for your body. Yeah. That'll completely fuck your entire insides up. Yeah, exactly. So I was like, I'm not going to do that. Like, yeah. And that, that's why it's like, I saw this naturopath for like one specific thing and it was so life-changing for me that I'm like, okay, I believe that I, and that's recent. So I'm like, I believe that I can work through this pain. I just have to like find a non-conventional way of thinking about it. Yeah. I think it's true that, I mean, it's the human body, right? The human body is so fucking weird. Like it's just different yeah. for everybody, right? It is. It totally is. <sighs> we did it. We did it. I'm so proud of us. Me too. I feel like I'm like I feel like that Paul Rudd gift from that one episode of Hot Ones where he's like, "Look at us, <laughs> look at us, we look did us. it, we did it." Oh, okay. So that was that was yoga. I'm pretty satisfied. Uh, I'm gonna be in so much pain tomorrow, but in a good. I'm gonna send you videos to do. Yes, please. I I welcome it. I I should get back into yoga. Honestly, I've been saying I need to work out at home a lot more. And um, like, and stop bitching. Videos that are literally twenty minutes, mm -hmm. and it's just so chill. Even just to, like, get you back on the horse. Yeah, that's li literally, I think I'm pretty good with, with routine once I get into it. So I think I just yeah. need to stop being, uh, I need to stop being lazy is the problem. Don't we all? We've done our yoga. We've done our, we've done our activity. I feel at peace and also incredibly out of shape. <laughs> In equal amounts, I think. That's all you can ask. So we're going to get into, uh, into the last part of the show. My favorite part of the show It's called the lightning round. The way this is going to work is I have a prepared list of this or that questions. Very simple stuff, you know, cookies, cake, cats, dogs, things like that. I'm going to put one minute on a timer. And I'm going to get, we're going to try and get through as many of these questions as we can in that time. I'm so nervous. It's going to be okay. I promise you. I swear to God, it's okay, going to be okay. Okay, okay, okay. okay. <laughs> I'm going um, to put one minute on a timer. We're going to ask as many as we can. And I'm going to compare your answers to the answers I've prepared to see how close we are to becoming best friends. Okay. So I grab my, my pen and paper because we're old school here, killing trees. Love it. And you just said you love killing trees. Okay, I'm an environmentalist and I shouldn't have said it and I take it. <laughs> Headline, comedian Allie Pierce hates trees. It's the planet. <laughs> uh, okay, I've got my timer up. If you're ready to go, I'm ready to go. Let's do it. Okay, in three, two, one, cookies or cake? Cookies. Cats or dogs? Dogs. Computer games or console games? Neither. Nice. Uh, pop music or rock music? Pop. Uh, pancakes or waffles? Pancakes. Uh, stuffed animals or dolls? Stuffed animals. Hot chocolate or coffee? Coffee. Uh, morning or evening? Morning. Uh, text message or call? Text. <laughs> uh, libraries or museums? 
Museum. French or Spanish? Spanish. Uh, summer or winter? Summer. Theater or cinema? Cinema. Uh, love or money? Love. Uh, books or movies? Books. Uh, chocolate or vanilla? Chocolate. Coke or Pepsi? Coke. Uh, uh, comedy or horror? Comedy. Ooh, and that's our time. That's, I think, the most amount of questions we've ever gone through. What's up? That also, was a bonkers Maybe questions. some answers that I was on the fence about, I'll be honest. <laughs> was it like, love or money? Mm, yes. Yeah. <laughs> the answer is money. No, yeah. the answer is love. I think I oscillate between mornings and evenings. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely a morning person. Like, I'm the most productive in the morning. Yeah. I love... I'm like a glass of wine and some pals. <laughs> you, I think, are the, f I don't know if you're the first guest to say morning, but you're certainly the first comedian to not say evening. I'm sure. <laughs> I believe that. <laughs> I am going to tabulate the uh, the score, the answers. While I do that, this is your time. You can uh, tell the people where they can find you, what you're up to, and uh, where, they can, where they can find you on the internet. Oh, hell yes. So you can find me on Instagram. My handle is Allie Pierce Comedy, um, A-L-L-I-E-P-E-A-R-S-E, -E, very strange, Allie Pierce Comedy. And then on Twitter, where I where I joke and I ha-ha with you, uh, it's Allie underscore Pierce, same spelling. It would be weird if it wasn't. <laughs> um, and, I, and, I, and I do tweet. I tweet a lot about um, my boyfriend, and he doesn't have any social media, so he does not care for that at all. <laughs> Um, and I tweet about other things, but it's always funny to make fun of people when they can't see it. True. <laughs> I mean, I guess he could Google me. And it's like, you're obsessed with me. Relax. <laughs> um, what, are, what was the other question I was thinking of? That you? Oh, comedy or horror? I mean, definitely comedy because I have to. True. But... And, and also, I never really, like, anytime I agree to watch a horror movie, I always regret it. <laughs> I say that I'm, in, I'm always very intrigued by good horror and, like, anything psychological. Mm. I think that's the thing, right, is that, like, I, I, I love horror movies just because I love movies. Yeah. But I hate horror movies because I, I have really bad, um, I have really bad, like, mental health issues when it comes to horror movies. So I'm the kind of person that not only does it like stick with me, but it like will actively fuck my week up. Yeah, totally. And I can totally get that. Like I, like I watched, I, I loved horror when I was younger, mm -hmm. which is so weird. I think it's because you don't actualize it as much. I'm not sure. But anyways, I watched all of the Saw movies over and over and over again. <laughs> and, but, and those images are seared in my brain. Yeah. Like I think about stuff some of the torture stuff from that, I think about it all the time. It's it's like, that's like 15 years ago. Allie Pierce thinks about torture all the time. All the time. That's the <laughs> thumbnail. <laughs> uh, Allie, I want to thank you so much for being on the show. I want you to know I've had such a good time. I hope you have too. I did. I want you to know that you scored a 9 out of 18, which... That doesn't sound See, it doesn't sound good on paper, but what it does mean is that I think we've still achieved the goal of becoming best friends, which means that I think that that proves the show's premise that you don't need to be, you don't need to have everything in common with someone. You don't need to, you know, enjoy the exact same things, feel the exact same way, live the same lifestyle to become best friends. 
That's true. And I want to thank you so much for becoming my new best friend. I want to thank all my best friends out there listening at home. However you listen to the podcast, whether you watch it on YouTube or you're listening to it on Spotify, Google Play, Apple Play, uh, uh, Podbean, Stitcher, Pod, Pocket Pod, uh, whatever new podcast app I've been added to today. I just get like emails and they're like, you've been added to this app. And I'm like, I don't believe that's real. Cool. Um, <laughs> uh Make sure you follow our guest at Ali Pierce Comedy, A-L-L-I-E-P-E-A-R-S-E Comedy, and Ali underscore Pierce on Twitter. Make sure you follow me at Old King Cake on every social media. You can keep up to date with, uh, with me, what I'm doing. And also, if you want to follow the show, it's at Let's Be Best Pod on Twitter. Somehow, Let's Be Best Friends was already taken. It's very upsetting. Uh, make <laughs> sure you can catch me live on Twitch every single weeknight at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, feel free. I take questions from chat all the time. Uh, people will uh, will give me ideas and thoughts. So if you like that, do that. Make sure you like, comment, subscribe to all those cool algorithm things. Also, we have a merch store now. So if you like this beautiful pink hat. Oh, I was going to ask you about it. It's so good. It's such a good hat. I'm in love with it. You can go to oldkingcake.com slash merch. And also you can go to oldkingcake.com again to find out all the things that are happening with me. <sighs> I'd also like to thank my best friend, Isabel Wing, for the intro to our podcast, Let's Be Best Friend, and Seth Feldman for the outro. And that's all the time we have for this week. So remember that your mom was your best friend at one point, so give her a call, and we'll see you next week. (laughs) 